to uh, call the regular meeting of June uh, 27th to order at uh, 5 p.m. So welcome everyone. And uh, before we get into the formal part of the meeting, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Orange Board. Thank you, Your Worship. Um, I'd like to take the opportunity today to uh, ask Council and everybody in the room to please stand for a moment of silence for Graham Smith, who passed away this last weekend. Uh, Graham was uh, an employee with the town of Peace River for 20 plus years and a responding member with the Peace River Fire Department for 35 plus years, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you, and just to add to uh, Councillor Ford's uh, comments, um, so Graham, he worked at least 35 years for the town, and he actually started out in the museum. I did find an article when I was looking through something or rather that when he first arrived, he paired us up with the town, I think in Nova Scotia or New Brunswick. So apparently we have a sister town there. If we could find the name, it'd be good to visit, I guess. But um, our sympathies to uh, his wife, Susan, and family and the fire department. Yeah, Graham did join the uh, department, I think it was January of 1980. Okay, okay. sad news. Okay, we have the uh, agenda in front of us, and are there any additions or deletions? Uh, Madam Worship, uh, what we will be doing is we have one addition that it will be uh, in camera. Uh, uh, item and then um, the minutes uh, we just made a couple of adjustments to the minutes uh, they, we had it moved but we didn't make them as motions so we added uh, the counselors that made the motions for coming in and out of the camera uh, so we just corrected those so that's the only difference in the uh, minutes uh, madam Ma'am. thank you uh, would someone care to uh, move for the, the acceptance of the agenda as amended? Councillor Good, thank you. All those in favor? Opposed? It is carried. Thanks again. Okay, we have several sets of minutes. So the first one, uh, minutes of the May 30th special council meeting. So you've had a chance to review those. Any changes? Somebody care to move the acceptance? Councillor Shannon, thank you. All those in favor? Great. Then we have the minutes of the regular council meeting of June 13th. Again, you've had a chance to review those. Any additions or edits? Councillor Scannerhorn moves the acceptance of the May thir or June 13th minutes. All those in favor? Okay. We have the minutes of the June 15th special council meeting. Councillor Boychuk, would you move them? I'll move it. Okay, Councillor Good. All those in favor? Opposed? We're good to go. Uh, June 20th, another special council meeting. We've had a chance to review those. Councillor Boychuk will move the acceptance of those minutes. All those in favor? Opposed? It is carried. Okay, thank you. Um, do we have any uh, public hearings? Uh, we do not, uh, Madam Worship. Okay, so uh, the next uh, part of this is, um, uh, well, 
nice to do actually. So we have some presentations and the first is farewell and thanks to outgoing council members. So I would like uh, both uh, uh, former Mayor Tarpey to come stand here and Councillor Needham as well. And uh, we'll, we'll sooner or later get organized for a picture as well, but we get to. So um, thank you uh, on behalf of the town and council. Uh, thank you for each of your 11 years experience on town council. And this, yes. like I know it probably felt like longer <laughs> times, but you know, you never know. Um, anyways, so that was uh, eight years for Tom as mayor and three council and Colin, 11 years as councillor. So we had many great discussions with these two gentlemen over that time. I wasn't there for the first three years, but for the last part I was. So um, lots of accomplishments in those 22 years, and I actually was thinking about it this afternoon, so I wrote some of them down. So um, during your terms as council, um, you kind of oversaw policies and governance and sorts of things that led to a lot of changes within the town of Peace River. Um, the first one that I am more aware of was the upgrade to the water treatment plant and uh, then that followed the uh, water line out to CNL and Dixonville, which was a major to do, major big thing to do. Um, the infamous cuff report was another part of things that um, led to some operational changes over time and uh, then we had lots of infrastructure changes. So both old and new upgrades, long-term maintenance planning was, is now well underway. The new Baytex Arena, Colin was kind of the, uh, the guy that was major liaison with the, the, what was happening down there and would report back to council as to whether they were um, on time, on uh, track, and the money was flowing the right way. And sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. But anyways, uh, the new Baytex has been well used. The summer games here in the last few days, uh, there was lots of activity and pickleball was definitely the thing to get into if you haven't already got into it. I understand across Canada is the new thing too. Um, we had lots of land use bylaw changes, including the one up at the St. Germain Creek uh, up by the Ford dealership in that area. That happened during your time that I know of. Um, you managed to implement CN's uh, request or demand that we move the, uh, the water and sewer lines from above the tracks to below the tracks. There was no uh, saying no, you just had to do it for three and a half million, carry on sort of thing. Uh, the neighborhood improvement program, that was one that I think uh, Edmonton originally had and uh, under your terms it got modified to work in Peace River. So it means that our neighborhoods uh, are getting improved each year whether we want them to or not there's a plan and uh, the plan goes on and on um, all the parks in the town of peace river over your uh, three terms in council have all been touched in some way with upgrades to equipment or or whatever and the, la the latest one being saddleback um, the new water treatment plant at the south end, that was a major expenditure. We could get grants for it as well, but it was lots of planning. It went, went into that one. Um, then there's the work with the municipal partners, uh, Northern Sunrise, Northern Lights, and MD of Peace. We had um, things like Rotary House happened in part because of their partnerships. 
the clinic happened majorly because of partnership with Northern Sunrise and a few things the town was able to help that process with. Um, North Peace Housing, all of that development out there happened, I think, under your, um, I don't know, um, oversight, I guess. And that includes their office, uh, the apartment building, and plans for the future that we hope to, to see eventually. Other things that we worked on with um, those partners were the STEAM Lab at the uh, up by Peace High with Northern Lakes College uh, in an effort to keep apprentices in uh, town and be able to do their hours here. Uh, another one is the pool air handling upgrade, which uh, we are still happy to have. Um, what else? IDP agreements, ICF agreements, which took a major amount of time in the last, uh, well, about two years, about a year and a half ago, they finished, and uh, major big discussions. Uh, the new town shop was something else that uh, came into being under um, uh, your councils. Uh, advocacy for the new clinic, um, what else? The indigenous reconciliation journey that the town is on with the pipe ceremony we had here. Uh, we installed the flags here, we installed the flags at the park downtown, and without councils, uh, oversight and approval, those things would not have happened. And that area is very well used for um, many of the um, indigenous activities that, that happen over the course of the year now. What else? Advocacy for the new bridge, in case we didn't realize that, we've got a new bridge and a walkway under it. And the visitors to town are quite uh, pleased and lots of positive comments on, on that. So thank you again. Uh, we have several retaining walls that your councils managed to find some money and some grants to uh, help install. Um, lift stations come to mind. I never knew what a lift station was until I got on council, but now I'm kind of becoming familiar with it. Apparently we've got seven. So anyways, lots of them. Um, anything dealing with flood prevention and disaster mitigation. Uh, there was lots of talks and lots of planning and you know, trying to do our best with uh, our resources for that sort of thing. And I guess last but not um, least, uh, the banner program for the veterans and for the high school students. So we kind of have both ends of the spectrum on that one. And um, other towns around us have started copying some of that as well. And so, okay. And Colin, I know uh, one other thing I should mention, I know that you had um, major discussions with the owner of the, um, is it the, yeah, what station is it on the West Hill? I forget which gas company it is. Oh, Parkland? Chevrolet? Okay, that Sheffield. one anyhow. So it turned a nice uh, brownfield looking ugly space into what it is now. And I think that's well appreciated on our west entrance into town. So again, I'd like to thank you both for your service to the town and uh, best wishes on your future endeavors. Yeah, you forgot to mention Brad Carr's. Uh, Oh, Brad Carr's six flex. Uh, there was a six flex that oh, happened yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very nice. You know, and, and I think some of the ones, uh, uh, one of the small, smallest items you may think, but uh, I, every Tuesday, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm quite proud of it. Is we changed the whole garbage pickup. <laughs> we, before yes. we had garbage pickup, there was uh, everyone got their own bin, and so. When people went out to Canadian Tire to buy their bin, of course they want to be frugal and they get the smallest bin. But then, during the during, at the in the the week that they need the garbage needs to be pick up picked up, they would overflow it. 
and you'd come home and there would be people's garbage strewn all over the place. And of course, you knew it was garbage day because the ravens would already be out. So, but, uh, and, and I think one of the uh, best things, particularly during the pandemic, uh, it was the fiber optic. Yes. Getting the fiber optic mm -hmm. into this town. And, and I, uh, it certainly came to, uh, uh, I certainly remember it because uh, I think it really served us well in the pandemic, probably for the high school students as well as uh, I know that a lot of people were working from home. And when I worked from home, I didn't have any kind of connectivity issues. But my colleagues that were out in Grimshaw or, or Weberville, they would always, they, they wouldn't work from home. After a while, they just came back because the, uh, it was too inconvenient. I had forgotten about those, but yes, the fiber optic, and people were quite surprised that we got it back in 2013, 14, yeah. I think. Yeah. So it served us well. And the other thing, I don't know if I mentioned it, the utility box uh, oh, and yeah. the murals. Uh, yeah. There was lots of positive comments from our visitors during the um, summer games on those. Oh, so great. It sure was becoming known a little bit to that kind of thing. And I think the utility box is really yeah. your uh, initiative. Oh, well, I don't know about that. But uh, well, you certainly uh, help, help put that forward. But uh, that, yeah, I, are we having another mural this year or not? Yes. We're, we hope, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to jump in here or yes, not, but you're developing a list, right? We have the, the famous column bearing up at the uh, oh, right. cemetery. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. We can cover you from the clinic in that end to the column yeah. bearing. Yeah. Yeah. Medical <laughs> clinic on one hand and, and then the mm -hmm. other. And, and Cradle to grave. And, and, and I, I believe I was reading <laughs> one of the counselors that put the motion on the floor, but uh, I was, I, I thought in a leadership role, I should buy the first box up there, the first niche. And I did, but my colleagues reminded me, well, Colin, don't, don't buy number one because you're <laughs> going to be accused of some political interference. Or, and so I, I, I bought about number four. I think I'm behind Ian Gardner. And he's got a good view. So, so, uh, so that was, again, another small accomplishment. But just, I, I think I want to wrap this up, Your Worship, but just very quickly, I don't think I could add to that list, but I, but I must say, that I really enjoy this visitor tank. The view back there, is, I'm beginning to like it. I don't have to worry about the budget. I don't have to worry about the strategic plan. I don't have to worry about the next RCMP contract. And, and, and Tanya, she's not here, but... Actually, Councillor Downey is here. Tanya, Tanya's lifting it. Oh, sorry, Tanya, well, Tanya, sorry. And she always manages to hide the fireworks display on me in the budget. And I, I could never find that. <laughs> so those were my comments. And lots of good times with my 11 years on council. Many new friends, uh, not only in Peace River, but as you travel, you, you meet others through the AUMA circuit. And uh, lots, lots, of, lots of fun times. So, uh, it was indeed a pleasure. So th thank you, Your Worship. Thank you. And uh, Councillor Downing, I think, is on, on some kind of yeah, virtual so something yeah, here. Uh, Councillor Downing, if you'd like to say a word or two, we, I've got you on the speakerphone there. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Your Worship and Council, it was my honor to serve as a councillor for the town of Peace River, uh, to be a steward of our taxpayers' money, and the list that Elaine put out for the term of Tom and Colin was very extensive and my hat goes off to them as well. So 
Thanks for letting me join in tonight. So for those that aren't quite aware, uh, Joanna's uh, terms were uh, four years just before this election. So a lot of uh, what I mentioned uh, did happen during her term as well. And Joanna was uh, quite aware of uh, some of the social issues within uh, town and the town's efforts to try and uh, work with different agencies and so on on that aspect of um, our community. So thank you, Joanna, and um, also best of luck with uh, the next phase of your endeavors. I'm sure that you'll be involved in something in the community that you're in process of moving to, perhaps. And we just have a, a couple of gifts and some certificates here. So, uh, um, a little certificate in recognition for all your time, and same with yours. And uh, we'll be sending yours out, Councillor Downing. And then we decided uh, you have to give a picture. And so we were looking, what's the most appropriate pictures that we can give out? So, uh, so for, for, obviously uh, they're going to be ancient. <laughs> so for, do, for do, Colin, do I, do I get to pick? Uh, <laughs> no, no, you don't. So for Colin, um, I used to do a lot of walking, and I'd pop into his place. So I felt the best picture that I could give him is why I was walking. So from my dog, Love Piper. That's to Colin. <laughs> wow. Tom, you get a nice picture of the river, Peace River, so we really appreciate everything. Oh, that's nice, yeah. Did you want a tree? <laughs> I had a feeling you would say that. So, <laughs> and we also have the exact same picture for you, Councillor Downey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think when I retire from the mill, I'll get one of the picture of the mill that'll just be downstream of that. <laughs> make, make sure you, you Photoshop the steam cloud. <laughs> and it is just a steam cloud. That's why I said that. Okay, so Megan's going to take a picture. How do you want us organized? Well, does everyone want to get in on this? Sure. All the current council? Yes, yeah, so we you get guys all the counselors in. in. Sure, you that'd be great. <laughs> Okay, just hold the picture. Yeah. Or it's up to you. Yeah. This might be an incentive for people to join council. I cheated. I bought something. I bought something. I bought something. I bought something. Very easy now. Don't 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 work on that. Oh, I'll work on that. I'll go behind. I, uh, oh. Okay, as long as you put a note on it that says, no, there's no hurry to get here. Okay. Beautiful. Say cheese. <laughs> Say budget. Budget. <laughs> <laughs> Strategic plan. <laughs> Fuzzy pickle. <laughs> okay. Do I get Thank you. I, you know, one thing that you forgot to mention, Mayor. Uh, uh, Madam Mayor, was the AFRAC system that we bought for the RCMP. Oh, yes. They, they can communicate all over the place. Thanks, guys. No, no. You're, 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 you're the first. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
take care and we shall see you guys. Safe travels wherever you end up. And I, I think we also have the record for the longest council meeting when Mayor Mann was around. I think we went past 12 o'clock. from the Peace River Curling Club. So if whoever would like to come to the chairs there and say your name so our recorder can make sure she's got the right names. Okay, so I'm the president of the Peace River Curling Club. Uh, Richard Walliser is the treasurer, and John Curran is the vice president. Thank you, Linda. I'm the president, I said already. Oh, sorry, Linda Lavi. Whoops. Richard Walliser, and who else? John Curran. John Curran. Uh, How do you spell that? K-U-R-A-N. I get my last Yours, yeah. Richard is the treasurer? Yes. Walliser, yeah. And John is the? Vice president. Thank you. And we'll let the treasurer talk. Okay, so first of all, I want to start by expressing our thanks to Tanya and Brian, who uh, came to a meeting with Peace River Curling Club Board of Directors. And the purpose of that meeting was to review our lease agreement with the town of Peace River for the Peace River Curling Club building. And uh, that was part of our renewal process. I think we have a three-year term and uh, a five-year term. Uh, it's up for renewal, so we uh, we had the pleasure of having them at our, our meeting uh, about a month and a half ago. Uh, the discussion moved from the lease to another topic which was of importance to us. Uh, it was the outstanding loan that the Curling Club has with the town of Peace River. Um, this was an amount that was loaned to the Curling Club in 2005 to make roof repairs. and I believe the original amount was $45,000. So that was uh, a long time ago, 17 years ago. So there's been a lot of uh, executive members that have changed over in time. So um, I suggested that uh, the loan be part of the discussion. It's just so uh, the town um, could speak to it and provide us some clarity as to the loan itself, uh, the outstanding amount and, uh, and the ability of the curling club to afford to make uh, capital repairs to the building, uh, particularly because our membership numbers are in decline. So uh, part of that uh, revolves around the impact of COVID on our membership. Uh, that's really yet to be determined. We had two years of partial seasons um, and uh, we're a bit concerned that our numbers may not recover to the pre-COVID levels. Uh, on top of that, uh, operational costs because of commodity prices going up uh, have increased over over that time frame. Uh, we did have the foresight to get uh, into some fixed energy supply contracts before the rates really uh, went up. So we were able to soften the blow uh, a bit there. Uh, for clarity and understanding of council, 
Um, the decision to, to turn on the plant for any season is a, is a big one. And as soon as you decide to make ice, uh, you're committing to some very large expenditures to keep the ice uh, going for the season. Uh, each team is paying uh, $1,100 per season and uh, many of the curlers paid for more than one league. So uh, there's four, typically four members to a team and if you're paying uh, for two different uh, men's and mixed or women's and mixed, um, you have a fairly su substantial expenditure to do curling for that year. So um, if we didn't have enough curlers committed to curling in multiple leagues, um, we likely would have difficulty in paying for the power and the heating bills, which during the season, they run upwards of $8,000 per month. So we have been moving our fees up. Uh, we've been doing fundraising activities. We run a raffle and uh, we are also a regular casino um, uh, goer. And uh, we're trying to engage new members with Learn to Curl programs and, uh, and through junior and uh, school curling programs. All of this uh, we are, we're doing as a uh, group of volunteers with uh, the board of directors and, uh, and we're still not breaking even. So we are cognizant of the fact that there is a limit to how much we can increase our fees before those fees will become too high and we'll start losing members. So right now we're in a bit of a precarious spot. So for us to be also concerned about capital expenditures like roof repairs and replacement and potentially some other huge capital outlays to the building or the mechanical systems is uh, really beyond our capacity as a club. If the roof repair in 2005 was $45,000, then we can imagine that the cost today would be at least double that. The ice plant itself that keeps the ice uh, frozen and it won't last forever and some of the mechanical systems in the building are starting to give us issues. The furnaces last uh, winter were, were one of those things. And to top it all off, we had some uh, flood mitigation issues that we needed to apparently deal with this last spring uh, because of runoff and, uh, and uh, um, the area around the building uh, started to flood and water was starting to uh, get into the building itself. So for us to take the responsibility first of all to pay off the existing loan and then to start establishing a, a reserve fund to pay for upcoming capital costs it would really price our membership out of beyond what they were, would, would be willing to pay. So to demonstrate for simplicity's sake if a new roof repair was again required it's not that far away uh, 17 years ago that, that roof is now 17 years old and if it costs $100,000 each member would have to pay an extra $1,000 toward that roof repair. If it's the ice plant I don't even know how much that would cost but just to price all those things out and then to try and set up a, um, a replacement schedule and then set up reserve funds uh, to do all that you can imagine that um, that would be very difficult for a group of 100 curling club members uh, to pay for over and above their uh, their big fees. So there is a few curlers that 
may be interested in keeping the curling club open no matter what the cost. Um, there just isn't enough of them that wouldn't start uh, to think about looking at other options for their for their time, their recreation time in the winter if the costs become prohibitive. So as you understand we come here with our hat in hand and we're requesting your consideration to forgive the balance of the outstanding loan to the curling club. Uh, it would certainly help the club continue as a going concern and at least uh, or at least until the next major event uh, could push us to the brink. We're not saying that this will resolve all the financial stressors that the club has but it will really help us to uh, make some decisions for the next few years. So on behalf of the board of directors and all the curlers we greatly appreciate your time and consideration. Thank you. Um, so at this point in time you're not quite sure what the balance of the loan is. We can ask it into well, Ta yeah. Tanya did provide us with their spreadsheet um, um, and their balance is actually different than ours, so which is yeah. kind of interesting, but um, the town provided us their spreadsheet and as of the end of December 2021, it was $36,000. So, and in our books, our books it is 29000 We're but not sure why that discrepancy, there's been a number of of uh, different uh, treasurers. treasurers over the course of time, so some of that stuff gets lost in the transition between the between the people. So, thank you, um, councillors. Do you have any questions, Councillor Boychuk? Have you guys looked at any green grants to help you guys with your power bills or anything along that line? Uh, the casino allows us to use casino funds to uh, to pay for operating costs like uh, water, uh, water and sewer heating and electricity. Um, so we do use the casino funding for that. But you haven't been able to successfully get a grant for solar panels or anything to reduce. Have you guys looked into that at all? No, we have not. Not solar panels. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll forward you some information. There's quite a bit, especially for facilities like this. Yeah, because I like we're in the process of applying for a bunch of grants and we're trying to, you know, apply for things. But I'm finding that I don't know if it's because of COVID, but companies don't even answer. Like I'm asking for quotes because we have to change our headers. That's part of the the system in the cement floor, and our headers are we know are Simcoe have been warning us for two three years that we're going to need new headers. The company's not even answering me. They're not even sending me the quote. So then I need the quote to get the grant. So, you know, it's... We do, like we yeah. we applied to the Alberta government for a COVID relief fund, which we were successful. Um, the County of Northern, uh, or Sunrise County and the County of Northern Lights both uh, provided us a grant to replace our scraper for, for our ice scraper. Which um, was 15,000, thir 13,000? $13, $13,000. So I mean, we have constant expenditures, right? With running a curling club. That's what but, the building, yeah. But like you said, Councillor Boychuk, that's an opportunity that we haven't explored yet, so mm -hmm. certainly uh, could help us in the future. Uh, I will send you guys some info. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Councillor Shan? Yeah. What's your operating budget a month? 
Do you know roughly? Like if your if your utilities are eight thousand, like that's got to be a pricey. That's got to be a big bill. Yeah, it's the, the majority of our expenditures is uh, is the ice plant electricity to run the, the ice plant uh, is the majority of it. Um, to control the the quality of the ice uh, furnaces, you need to run the furnaces to keep the ambient temperature con consistent so that the ice stays on the same condition. Um, so there is heating costs in the winter is substantially higher uh, depending on how cold it is outside. But those two together run about $8,000. Then we have uh, ice techs uh, that is about $3,000. Uh, we have uh, janitorial staff um, and the bar managers, that's $1,100 a month. Um, so, you know, during the season, you know, we're up in $12,000, $13,000 a month, but then those, uh, those all decline as soon as we turn the plant off and the, and the ice goes out. So it's about $120,000 a year. And in the summer, it's not operate. What do you do with it in the summer? Does it just sit unoccupied in the That's right. Yeah. And there isn't a whole bunch of other uses for the curling club, but I mean, we have a Baytex uh, center. If there's rain, a rain out for pickleball, uh, we can use Baytex. That would be one of the options is to, you know, have pickleball courts in there. But if you already have a first class, it's first class facility, the Baytex center for pickleball, uh, you know, pickleball players wouldn't even think about using it. And as for rentals, the problem with the ice slab is that we used to rent it out, mm -hmm. but when they would try to come and clean it, they wouldn't clean it properly or they would damage it in a way with, you know, with whatever they spilled on it. So it would cost us more money than the rental was worth to hire somebody to clean it properly. And so we were finding renting it was causing us more damage and everything. And then we priced ourselves right out of the market because it's too expensive for clubs or you know, people to rent it, even weddings, because we have to charge so much because you really have to be careful with that ice slab, that cement. And then other than that, you have your roof and you have um, a, an aging plant. Well, the plant's not that old. I think it was it was upgraded in 2013, John. 2013, so it's it's yeah, got lots of life left in it. Yeah, but the brine comes through uh, these headers that that shoot the, the, the cold brine out into the, the length of the, yeah, the ice. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, we had the, uh, Susan Gosser Shannon, we had the uh, uh, check the thickness of the walls and they're thinning out and, and we were told eventually they'll go next to the front of the sheets. Okay, as well, yeah, sorry, just also to add to the uh, rentals, uh, our ice technicians have informed uh, us that to roll up each one of those sheets, it damages it. And so it'd have to be something significant, uh, uh, like a wedding rental or something. Uh, you want to be very careful because they're very expensive. Mm -hmm. So I'm not looking for an excuse, but it's, you know. No, I remember because we rented it one time. Yeah. So yeah. The, the ice, before you make it, there's a rolled out sheet that, that has the rings and all, it's all white, yeah. except for the rings. So that's all rolled out. So we leave that during the off season. We don't, and all we do is vacuum it and, and then we flood the, let that area to, to make nice so for those that aren't familiar with it. Uh, excuse me Councilor Shannon the other thing we looked at was to mitigate the, uh, the cost of the uh, 
efficiency of the building for heating and that is uh, insulation. We, we've checked in with a few curling rings and uh, uh, we've had uh, a quote on. No, I asked for the quote, but sure. I just haven't again. gotten it. But uh, well. you know, to to increase the because the blocks do not hold the aerating, the, the yeah the aerating that we need. So we're, we're trying to put uh, a good fiscal plan in place, but there's steps to it. And with a hundred members, I mean, it's a lot to ask for a um, hundred curling club members. When there is other options too, you have to understand that um, the avid curlers, I mean, they're going to definitely stick to curling, and um, but there is other competitive recreation options uh, that uh, that may cause us to lose curvers if if the price becomes prohibitive. Also, I would like to add at this point that it's not the blow trumpet of President Lavey, but uh, she's done an awesome job with Learn to Curl, and not just for the junior curling, but also adult curling, and we witnessed that at the end of the year. Yeah, so it's not like we're sitting back and saying we're aging community, aging club, um, I think how many did you have uh, in a short year is 23, 24? At least, yeah. Yeah, at least and so if many. we can get half of that, which we did get a few, uh, we have to have something in place to encourage and, and add to the community and welcome in, which we did, a couple of new uh, community members. They have a place to go, uh, meet people, socialize, as you know, the sport is. Yeah. And that gives that opportunity, so we're bringing something to the community and hope to do better yet. Yeah. And just one last question: Have you ever um, sought out um, the corporate sponsorship or anything like that for your? We do have the one wall for advertising, uh, so we have boards across the the whole area, but we don't have one specific um, named sponsor for the buildings. Mm -hmm. no. Thank, Thank you. you. But they do have, like Richard's saying, many. It's like the the arena sort of idea that yeah. those kind of boards. Yeah. Um, any further questions? Okay, so um, what I'm I heard that um, your ask is a forgiveness of the balance of the outstanding loan. So maybe a councillor would. Um, uh, move to direct administration to bring back a uh, briefing note on this matter, and then we would go from there. Um, Councillor Shannon, do that as a motion? Yes. Okay. Um, Mrs. McRoberts, you got it? Uh, Councillor Shannon moves um, to. So you were saying you have roughly a ballpark 100 curlers that you, that you have right now? So it's about 100 adult curlers and then about 25 to 25 or so junior curlers that uh, after school programs uh, are held there. So we do have to count them. We, uh, as part of Alberta Curling Association fees. But they don't pay. They don't pay. A lot. They no. So you have roughly about a hundred sort of what I call paid members or paying adults. members at this point, roughly? Right. Right. At this point, yeah. Okay. Pre-COVID, we probably had 120, 125, yeah. Well, yeah, there's maybe even more. school usage as well, and we were prevented yes. Yes. from even taking mm -hmm. students.
Correct. Two field trip things. And so for the last two years, generally I take a class, you know, a number of times and run an early program. And, and I haven't been able to do that either for the last while. So that that's another farming uh, potentially yes. for a farm yeah. team for, for mm -hmm. members later. But and the the school the school divisions do uh, provide fairly good rental um, revenue for for us. So that is a part of our overall revenue uh, that we receive. Uh, it's the rental of facilities for use of school program. And bond spills and stuff were affected by COVID too. So it's kind of adding to that, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, councillors, any further questions? We have this motion in front of us. All those in favor of the motion? Opposed? It is carried. And uh, just um, on behalf of the town, thank the three of you, uh, Richard and um, Linda and John, for all your volunteer work at the Summer Games. That was uh, very well done and um, lots of positive comments. So thank you. Yes, it went very well. Yes. Thanks. Thank you again. Who won the pickleball? Did you win there? I did manage to win I a couple of pickleball events. <laughs> Yeah, it went good. Good luck at the nationals. Yeah, we will. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, our next uh, presentation, we've got Staff Sergeant Dave Brown, the quarterly policing report and the multi-year financial plan. So you've all had this document within your um, agenda packages and uh, lots to review and talk about. So you're on. Good evening, Your Worship and Council. Thanks very much for having me uh, today. This is just a quarterly update from the detachment. Uh, and first, I just wanted to start by expressing my condolences both to Council, uh, to Administration, and to the Fire Department uh, for the loss of Graham Smith. Having been here 17 years, I mean, we worked closely with Graham over the years and whatnot, and we missed, so. Uh, with respect to the quarterly update, uh, I just wanted to start. There were a couple uh, components to this. The first was the uh, end of year uh, quarter four, 21, 22 uh, stats. Uh, so I'll just kind of review those uh, with council. And if there are any questions, I'm happy to address them. Uh, so basically, as you can see from the stats, and, and it should the document I'm referring to should look like this. It has uh, the quarterly comparison for the years gone by from 2018 to 2022. Uh, there are some increases and uh, some decreases that we see. Uh, and uh, in particular, uh, we've seen assaults within the municipality go up from 34 in 2021 uh, to 58 in 2022. Uh, another increase we're seeing is uh, theft of motor vehicles, uh, going from eight in the similar quarter in 2021 to 13 in 2022. So the question is, well, what are we doing about this, right? Well, uh, as part of our annual uh, priority planning, uh, I visited the 10 regional councils, and from that, as you know, we selected three uh, you know, priorities for the detachment to focus on. Uh, one, of course, is uh, drug uh, trafficking and organized crime. Uh, the second was uh, property crime break and enter, as it continues to be from last year. Uh, so it's where the detachment focuses efforts above and beyond our normal day-to-day uh, -day calls for uh, service. And uh, we've, putting, we've been putting some effort specifically into theft of motor vehicles. Uh, part of that is covered in my uh, report that I have here. Uh, recently, we did deploy a bait vehicle into the town of Peace River. And we're not just uh, placing it uh, randomly in the community. 
Uh, we rely on analyst reports to tell us by and large where uh, that particular crime is, is taking place and then we deploy the vehicle uh, in that location with the hopes of uh, uh, you know, having it uh, taken and then obviously we track it and recover it and uh, the hope is to, to lay charges for those who are uh, criminally responsible for that. Uh, the idea being that if people aren't mm, sure which uh, you know vehicles uh, they target or bait vehicles, obviously that'll be uh, concerning to them and hopefully dissuade them from uh, you know that kind of activity in the future. Now, the bait vehicle, of course, uh, when we deploy bait property, whether it be a vehicle, whether it be an ATV or snowmobile or what have you, uh, depending on the season, it's pretty labor intensive to track and manage that. Uh, it's not something that we go after you know two days after it's taken. We have to have people ready around the clock to respond to that sort of thing. So we also reach out and partner with our rural crime reduction unit out of Grand Prairie to give us uh, some extra bodies who are available around the clock in the event that uh, that moves. So when they come up for a deployment to the town, we'll task them with a number of different things. We might have a few different projects on the go, uh, this one being one of them to help supplement our ability to look after that particular piece of property uh, because um, it's a loss to the detachment financially if, uh, if it were to be destroyed or what have you as a result of uh, you know us not being on top of it. Uh, so we're very careful, we don't want that to happen, so we have to be in a position to move on it right away, and uh, then we have technology to help us uh, you know, recover it safely. Uh, so we've uh, done a uh, recent deployment of that, and uh, without providing timelines or what have you, that, uh, that, that sort of thing is ongoing in the, in the community. Uh, also, uh, in terms of uh, the cold weather impacting the vehicle thefts, we always see a bit of an uptick in the winter months, right, where, uh, you know, it's very tempting to leave your vehicle running, especially when it's quite uh, cold, minus 30, minus 40, as you run into, uh, you know, the service station, you grab your coffee for the morning, etc. So we also did an Operation Cold Start uh, program where we had uh, members going to uh, parking lots of uh, local businesses, uh, kind of a mirror of what we do in the summer with the Locker Blizzard campaign that we do, uh, but it's specifically directed to don't leave your vehicle running with valuables inside uh, without a remote starter uh, in a winter months when you might be tempted to go in. So, uh, you know, we'll patrol parking lots, we'll take a look for, uh, you know, people that are that are doing this high-risk uh, behavior and then have an interaction with them when they come back and try and educate and have them change the behaviors to reduce the impact of crime in our community. Likewise, with our community advisory group, uh, we meet uh, monthly uh, throughout the year with the exception of July and August and uh, as with last year, I anticipate that we're going to be doing the Lock It or Lose It campaign that we've done uh, with the assistance of the group and the local fire department, EMS, going into parking lots and again doing that education piece with uh, members of the community. So we have both an enforcement angle on that and we have a, uh, you know, an education component that we're hoping will drive down those numbers. Um, another marked increase that you'll see is Mischief Other. Uh, 79 uh, in 2021 to 95 in 2022, although albeit down from 2020 when we had a peak of 130. What mischief is, is basically, uh, can be two different things, and it's split into two different categories in the statistics. There's damage to property, right, where uh, somebody commits an act of vandalism, um, and then there's uh, other, which is basically obstructing the enjoyment of property. So that could be calls from the public that we receive about uh, you know uh, people loitering in front of their business, right, or uh, people being uh, you know uh, encountering challenges with addictions, that sort of thing, in public spaces that people utilize, whether it be a bank lobby, etc. No, uh, we don't we don't control the calls for service that we get in relation to those calls, right? And uh, I think we're probably all in agreement that this isn't really a police issue at its core, uh, but we do partner with uh, the Sagatow and whatnot to try and bring, um, you know, the services needed by that demographic uh, to them so that, uh, you know, we see a reduction in, in those calls for mischief. 
disturbing the peace, likewise, uh, you know, is a, seeing a marked uh, decrease, or a decrease uh, you know, when compared with 2018 to 2022 in total, but uh, an increase from last year, uh, where we went from six occurrences to 23 this year in that same quarter. Uh, and that's a, this, the same, same issues as you would say. I just have a quick question. <clears throat> On the disturbing the peace, in 2019, we had 100. That seems like a lot. Did anything specific happen that year that would, that well, would justify or, or explain that? I'm just curious how that number seems to be a replaced. Yeah, so essentially, uh, when, when we respond to a call for service that might uh, you know, be a disturbance, um, uh, say somebody in the mall who is causing a disruption to the businesses. That could be classified either as causing a disturbance or as a mischief to property. So what you might see is some crossing of those two occurrence types, right? Uh, so while we saw 73 uh, mischiefs in uh, 2019 compared to 100 disturbing the peace, uh, you'll see it's uh, weighted a little bit differently in 2020, where you see 129 mischiefs and 69 disturbing the peace. So depending on the circumstances, uh, it could be one category or the other. So combine those two kind of paint a picture uh, for you know the addictions issues that we're uh, seeing in the community, homelessness uh, issues, that sort of thing. Thank you. Uh, and then on page number two, uh, we even see under the Mental Health Act, we're seeing another substantial increase there as well, right? Uh, from 23 occurrences in 2021 to 22, or sorry, to 38 in 2022. So that's a 65% increase between the two years. Um, so again, we don't, uh, we're not in a position to really control that. It's not a crime uh, style that the police in and of themselves can have an impact on. Uh, but we do have supports that have recently come into place with our uh, our police and crisis team uh, that uh, just came into effect here that we just got up and running a, a about uh, two months ago now. Uh, and that's one mental health nurse uh, provided by HS, partnered with one of our police officers, whose uh, goal it is to stabilize some of our um, more regular clients who find themselves in mental wellness related crisis uh, throughout our communities. And so the whole being is that with that support provided in the community, we're driving down potentially uh, the calls for service that we receive for it, although it's kind of out of our control, but hopefully stabilizing a little bit uh, so that our frontline members are uh, in a position uh, to be free to respond to other calls. Does that um, schedule change? like? Is it sometimes during the day, sometimes in the evening that it's on? Or? No, it's uh, it's a daytime Monday through Friday schedule. So it's uh, 8 a.m. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain of their hours, but it's a 7 a.m. to you know 6 p.m. kind of schedule, I believe. So, so if, uh, however, there's a referral process. So if uh, our members encounter somebody uh, who isn't necessarily in crisis at the moment at 3 o'clock in the morning, but is having challenges mental wellness wise might not meet the criteria for an immediate apprehension uh, but it's a referral that we can do to our our, our back team which would then go out and uh, you know the following day follow up with them or if this run on saturday on monday morning they would come in and they would uh, they would address that referral so we're trying to get the services and uh, of the of our RPAC team just generally well known. They are coming to our community advisor group uh, meeting on Wednesday, and they're going to be presenting to uh, to the group there. Uh, so hopefully that'll be an informative uh, piece. There'll be a, like a question and answer, and you can interact with them. And uh, we're hoping that you know the information of what they can do in our community is uh, is it's kind of put out there for people to understand and know. And already we're seeing the impact of it where, you know, we do have some clients who have asked, you know, you know, uh, when the police respond, hey, is our packed on kind of thing, can I talk to them? So, um, I mean, that's a, a favorable outcome being that we're only a couple months into it, so. Thank you. Thank you.
And is this a pilot program? No. Or it's a nope. Uh, it's sustainable funding, from what I understand. Uh, so with respect to the uh, quarterly update in terms of statistics, are there any questions from council about that more? Yeah. Um, are you noticing, I guess what we'll call a return back to normal in the last uh, few months? So maybe crimes that had decreased over a couple of years because people were staying home, changing their regular routines, are now returning back to routines, and some of these numbers are kind of fluctuating back to what you expected from before? Yeah, and again, it, it's difficult to know if there's any one aspect at play, but certainly we're coming into our, our summer season and we always see with more people out and about and whatnot that our call volume increases significantly and, uh, you know, uh, more, more people that are active, right, the more calls for service that are generated. So uh, the detachment seen very busy this quarter, uh, not just with call volume, but also with uh, being, being part of the community, right? And, uh, you know, there are a number of events, uh, you know, throughout our policing jurisdiction from Treaty Day, so in Woodland Cree, uh, to National Indigenous Day, to Canada Day upcoming and whatnot, uh, all the grad parades, uh, you know, so we're, we're doing our best to be part of all of that and then provide our frontline response as well, so. When you uh, bring in a big vehicle, do you guys advertise that? To okay, I'm just kind of curious if you put a community to dissuade people. Um, no, and it's it's one of those things that goes back to okay, well, do I want my security cameras to be visible so as to dissuade people, but then also you know they can avoid that uh, detection system, right? Or or do we do we try and capitalize on it um, kind of surreptitiously? And that's been, that's been the way we've done business so far, is we don't advertise that it's coming to the community because then people know, okay, well, this is the time frame that you know, I need to be concerned. It's kind of the thought process, I suppose, so we'd like people not to know necessarily when it's going to be up. Okay, and uh, I, I sat in a crime meeting with Reeve from Lacombe, and they have two mental health nurses, and they cannot say enough good things, so I'm super excited about that. But do you know offhand how many calls, or what percentage of your calls are non-crime related? Uh, for the detachment as a whole? Yes. Hmm. Uh, that's challenging. Not off the top of my head, but I could certainly get back to you. Yeah, it, it blew my mind that in rural Alberta we're 60 to 80 percent, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the reality of the situation is that I know, especially, especially when it comes to uh, conversations about the budget, which I understand is the town's number, well, if not number one, but one of the biggest ticket uh, items on, on, on the budget is, is the police. But I guess what I would what I would say with respect to that is the police are the, the the safety net for every other social service when they're not working, when they're on evenings, when they're on weekends, and we certainly see the call volume to, to deal with that. Uh, one example in particular is we had a 13-year-old child come to the detachment at 10 o'clock one evening, 10 or 11 o'clock, and uh, had been kicked out of their place and had no, no place to go, right? No means of going anywhere and, and didn't know what they were going to do. So uh, one of our members uh, brought him into the detachment, spent the next three, four hours with them uh, while we're on the line with child services trying to arrange next steps. Uh, I mean, there was no child services uh, worker that was going to be deployed, uh, boots on the ground to assist us with that. So my member bought out of his own pocket lunch for or dinner, I guess, or a snack from McDonald's or whatnot, spent uh, four hours, and that's a police officer off the streets, unfortunately, right? So, I mean, that's just one example of, uh, you know, oftentimes that we get called to a call for service that might be criminal on the outset, maybe, not in this case, obviously, but uh, where, uh, you know, a call for service might suggest it's criminal in nature for only for us to get there and realize maybe this kind of falls in our minds under the mandate of another agency, but trying to get 
you know, a different agency out at three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning or evenings or weekends could be a challenge for us, right? Uh, most recently, Child Services has gone, and we just had a presentation last week, uh, has had uh, a mandate change where essentially, um, what uh, I understood from it at the very least was that, uh, you know, there's been conversations, social conversations about the harm of uh, child services intervening in, in households and what have you, right? And so now they've kind of shifted from, okay, well, you know, we have a report of this, let's go deal with it, right? Uh, maybe in, in partnership with the police to, uh, you know, we slow everything down, we take a listen to all the intake details, and then refer back to the legislation to determine if we're on mandate to address it. And if not, that's where it ends. So even referrals from the police, for example, where we might have an expectation uh, based on our previous experience that we would uh, you know, anticipate child services coming out to support us in an investigation, we're being told, no, uh, you go, uh, you know, obtain this information, call our intake line or crisis if it's after hours, and then we'll make a determination whether or not we're gonna be in a position to support you. So that downloads more responsibility to the police again in the midst of a public conversation about ought the police be involved in wellness checks in uh, you know public safety matters that don't relate to to police I suppose so especially the challenge in a remote rural community right is that uh, I mean the reality of the situation is the social services that we would typically partner with um, you know don't necessarily have around-the-clock coverage here so yeah I mean I'm not surprised by that number at all I don't know off the top of my head uh, what our percentage would be, but it would probably be surprisingly high uh, for calls for service that the police respond to that end up not being necessarily a police call for service. I mean, our number one driver of uh, mischief complaints in this community is uh, homelessness and addictions, right? Um, and we can't control the narrative of who calls, but we'll have you know a banking institution who's watching their security cameras remotely from, say, Toronto or whatnot at two o'clock in the morning call us to remove somebody who's sleeping in their lobby. Right? Is that a police function at the end of the day? Ought to it be, I don't know. Uh, but certainly we're involved by choice or by not because if we choose not to respond to that and it turns out this person's in medical distress and certainly we wear that liability. So, right, and then we're in a position where, okay, well, uh, where do we go from here? Thankfully, uh, the, the cold shelter and the Sakatawa have been tremendous partners for us and, uh, and that's been a great assistance to us, right? Where a person might, uh, you know, either by necessity or choice, decide to sleep in a, in a lobby of, you know, a financial institution, for example, um, but it's not criminal, right? I mean, there's no criminal act being committed uh, per se, right? So the choice is, well, how do we appropriately manage this and deal with it? So we're very happy to have that out of the cold shelter um, to partner with as far as that goes. At one time, there was uh, uh, discussions that banks would lock their lobbies, but I know that uh, at least the one I use tends not to do that anymore. I don't know whatever the reasoning, but I can see perhaps there'd be problems with not locking it too in terms of maybe some damage, etc. So Yeah, well I mean so this has prompted some conversations that I've had and I've tried to network with uh, addictions locally, for example, to uh, deal with some of our more uh, prolific uh, you know, clients that are, we mutually deal with, right? To say, okay, well, we know this is an ongoing issue. We know it's a call generator for the police, right? How do we, how do we address this outside of you know, a policing perspective? The challenge, of course, being is that uh, it requires you know, voluntary uh, you know, participation in the program, right? Uh, so if a person uh, is dealing with long-term addictions issues or whatnot, right? Or just unhealthy use of a substance, for example, that drives you know, call volume for the police and you know, 
the issue is is that there's no mandated way to necessarily have this person participate in in treatment that might change those behaviors I suppose right so has, has uh, legal sales of cannabis changed any aspect uh, nothing that I would personally know opportunity to uh, first-hand witness a mental health call with a couple of your staff members and, and amazed with how, how we're turning things around that way and the challenges around transports you know and, and so it's uh, uh, I'll pick your brain on Wednesday and then the mental health team but uh, you know, we're, it's good to see and I know you have a lot to do with changing how we handle a lot of these cases for sure, yeah. I mean, we're lucky to have the RPAC team. That's going to be a great supplement to our, our the way we approach things. I guess our biggest challenge that we currently face, if I'm being honest, is when when we talk about mental health issues, right, in the, the community, one, one typically perceives that that's the only thing at play. But the reality is that 90 to 95% of the mental health calls that the police respond to are a combination of mental health and addictions issues. So the challenge being is that uh, if a person is uh, has an addiction issue that includes uh, meth use, for example, uh, you know there could be generally signs and symptoms of one what, what one might believe is schizophrenia, right? But it's brought on from the methamphetamine use and prolonged methamphetamine use, right? Causes uh, you know irreparable damage. So then we're dealing with a person who, in our opinion, right, uh, exhibits signs of uh, being mentally unwell. We apprehend them under the Mental Health Act and convey them to our closest designated facility in Grand Prairie. And uh, in on, in many occasions, we, upon arrival, once you know is is learned that there's an underlying addictions issues, uh, they're released immediately. Right. Uh, the problem is we haven't addressed the underlying issue in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they continue to be a call driver for the police. Uh, you know, oftentimes they have uh, you know these clients are running into traffic or. Uh, you know, behaving in a way that's, that's scary to the public, right? Which generates calls for service to us, right? Uh, but there's no one agency other than the police that is really the safety net for uh, people who are suffering from that. And like I would I, I say about my guess off the top of my head, 99, 90 to 95% of the call volume that would be termed mental health, right? Um, often has components of both. And uh, there's unfortunately a gap in service delivery in terms of uh, getting supports for this person. So in Peace River, could you say that you're dealing on a regular basis with the same people um, like 10 times a month, uh, two times a month, or, and is there 30 people that you're dealing with or two kind of thing? Um, it depends, depends on what kind of call volume we're talking about. Um, I mean, we can get upwards of five or six calls a day for a same group of people who migrate from one area of town to the next, right, and scare people as they walk past or, uh, you know, or disrupting business or what have you, right? And ultimately, I mean, our, our involvement is going to warn them and move them along until their behavior turns criminal, right? And we try to direct them to support agencies and whatnot, but ultimately that becomes a choice as far as we can't force them to go in receive those services so okay any further questions on uh, this report before we go into the next part of it I think okay well thank you for that and I would say also that I've been at several um, things events and uh, it's noticeable that your uh, officers are out and about and chatting away with different people, so it's very nice to see.
Well, thanks very much. We made a pretty good effort, as we do every year, but in particular this year, to, to be as many places as we can possibly be. Uh, so we'd like to be seen and we'd like to be, you know, uh, you know part of the community that is outside of the realm of responding to calls for service. So. Uh, on a side note, just with respect to the priorities and whatnot, uh, one of the priorities is drug trafficking, organized crime, uh, and uh, just uh, back in uh, May, uh, we had uh, a release that went out, right, just describing one of our uh, more long-standing investigations, right, that came to fruition, uh, resulting in a significant uh, seizure of 5.2 ounces of cocaine package for trafficking, a loaded handgun that was seized. $30,000 uh, in Canadian currency seized and 95,000 contraband cigarettes. Uh, two individuals were charged in relation to those offenses, and that was occurring in the town of Peace River, but also a distribution uh, you know, network that included our outlying areas as well, right? So all these things play into one another, right? It's not simply just drug trafficking, but the prolonged drug use plays into our mental health issues, right? So it's, it's a complex web, right, that we're trying to not only support from the mental wellness side by placing, uh, you know, by having an RPACT uh, team and having supports in place here, but also, uh, you know, uh, from the investigative and charge standpoint as well. Okay. Well, thank you. And I'm sure other questions will come up during the rest of your report. Uh, and that brings uh, me to the Peace Regional Municipal Detachment Multi-Year Financial Plan. Uh, so with respect to the multi-year financial plan, essentially this is prepared largely by uh, K-Division, right? And it's uh, meant as an overview generally of, uh, you know, the anticipation of, uh, you know, upcoming, uh, you know, potential costs and whatnot that would include, uh, you know, a replacement of certain, um, you know, intervention options and whatnot, uh, then also things that uh, are kind of beyond the control of the local detachment, such as the rollout of body-worn cameras, that sort of thing, and the potential impact that that might have. With respect to a lot of those things, I don't have, uh, you know, uh, in-depth knowledge of what the body, uh, you know, beyond what was provided, what the body-worn camera rollout will look like, uh, beyond uh, what is, you know, provided in the report. Um, I can really speak to local expenditures. Are there any questions as far as that goes, as best as I can? Uh, the rest of it is basically it's uh, the whole idea being it's an agreement in principle in terms of what the projected uh, you know finances look like uh, moving forward. Um, uh, uh, one question that's sort of there but uh, involved anyhow: um, Are the admin staff uh, still attending the town um, health and safety meetings? Do we know? I know they'd started, but. Yeah. That'd be a question for Director Bell. She yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I can advise you. that I know Tara Jean is coming. Okay. Uh, and she's that's got another good. meeting scheduled for Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe. So. Okay. Well, that's good. So, do you want us to ask uh, just questions here, there, and everywhere about, the, about it? Absolutely. And I'll do my absolute okay. best uh, to either uh, reply to any questions or to get the answer in return, uh, either by myself or with, uh, you know, perhaps somebody from the uh, Operational Strategy Branch if needed to address them. So one thing I noticed, um, there seems to be a change in hiring the um, uh, the guards, I guess. So um, previous to this, uh, it was uh, uh, active members that uh, somehow were involved and in the future or upcoming, there'll be other people specially hired that will be their job full time rather than a casual call them up if you need them sort of thing? Right, so actually, I mean, members stepped in when there was a shortage of guards in the okay. past. Uh, but basically our guards are civilians who are hired by the Corps of Commissioners. 
uh, and uh, then you know are contracted uh, by the RCMP and the detachment to provide services in the detachment. Now, uh, other detachments like High Prairie, for example, have a full-time uh, you know roster. So that means that uh, your shift is scheduled for this day. You come in for the shift, and uh, you know you're expected to be paid for that, whether or whether or not there's there's a prisoner. Um, the model that Peace River had uh, was that it was a casual call-out system. So a guard, uh, and there's no residency requirements, so they had some that were, you know, about 45 minutes away, living in a rural uh, part of the, the community kind of thing, uh, would get a call on, hey, we've got a prisoner for you, we need you to come in, right? And then uh, we would be charged, uh, you know, uh, you know, for their, their time to and from, right, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, the problem, the challenge for the detachment was retaining uh, guards. Um, it's, it's a challenging and stressful job in the sense that um, but you can have people who are very, very inebriated, it can be very, very loud throughout the night, and it's a long shift there for uh, 10, 11, 12 hours potentially, right, uh, under those circumstances. So there's not a big pool of people who are, um, you know, jumping at the opportunity for this particular job. Uh, the challenge, of course, when we had uh, neighboring detachments who were providing a, uh, you know, a guaranteed schedule was that we were, uh, you know, losing people who were, uh, you know, interested in providing that service to other detachments uh, because of that guarantee of, of hours, really, is what it comes down to. Um, so, uh, of course, I would say probably the average age of our guards is mm, probably around the 60, 65 year old mark, and uh, you know, expecting somebody to be on call for that period of time in response to a phone and whatnot, it was a big ask, right? Um, so, uh, what we're proposing is to, to switch our, and, uh, to a full-time model, basically, and it would be a little bit more cost, but Peace River is also a hub for prisoners as well. So uh, the sheriffs transport prisoners from uh, places like Fort Vermillion, Chate, uh, high level, who have uh, potential uh, court dates back up there, but in the meantime are remounted into custody. So they're coming all the way down, being held at Peace River Detachment until the next group of sheriffs come and transport them to Edmonton Remand, right? So because of us being a transport hub, just based on our geographical location for uh, prisoners coming from Grand Prairie going to Edmonton, uh, going from Edmonton back to Grand Prairie or up north to high level and beyond, uh, we're seeing our prisoner volume is such that we always have someone there anyways to justify that cost. Now, if we're lodging for a different detachment, that gets built back to that detachment anyways. So, yeah. So the, the town is only on the hook for the municipal prisoners. Okay. Okay, and so uh, the future plan is there'll be kind of permanent That's contracted right. people. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's still provided through the course of commissioners, yeah. but uh, just with a permanent schedule. Okay, and I had a question about the building, uh, I call it building lease costs or whatever. So we have both municipal um, officers and the regional officers that are there. So is the building's cost split that way as well? Uh, from what I understand, yes. Now, I'm not intimately familiar with this, so I will have to do some research into it and get back to you in terms of what the actual formula is. But my understanding is is that uh, you know uh, the municipality is responsible for the space of those municipal members only, right? And the more occupied the building is, otherwise, right, the less the burden of that cost on the on the municipality. So um, you know we have uh, the Alberta sheriffs uh, who are in the uh, in the building. Now I don't know for certain, but I believe their presence offsets a bit of the cost of the town, right? And so I'm going to have to look into that and just get that formula back to you. Now, a lot of other detachments are seeing the sheriffs move out into different venues to their local uh, vehicle, uh, you know, uh, inspection stations and what have you, right? Um, and the reasons for that might be varied, I don't know. 
but locally at least, we enjoy a very positive relationship with our, our sheriffs who are, are uh, partnering with us in the building and we have no issue with them staying there, right? So I don't know what um, implications that has. Um, but it, will, yeah, it would just be interesting to know that they're paying, paying for their square footage. Oh, I'm that they are, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I see on some of the charts that um, it costs are going up and down depending upon what it is. So the chart I'm kind of looking at right now, it's on page 12. It's overall Muni under operational equipment plan. And I note that in 2022-23, the total costs for, I, I guess, the, it must be the province, I'm hoping, 906,000, whereas in 23-24, it jumps to 3.6 million sort of thing. So, you know, I see the reasons that are listed here. There's shields and all sorts of things. Um, am I reading that correctly? Yeah, and again, unfortunately, this isn't my area of expertise, nor did I prepare this particular document. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll have to get in touch with the operational strategy branch to provide more information on that particular number. But yeah, no, I agree. It's a, it's a huge increase. And I think some of that rationale is laid out in, in the yes. narrative that's yeah. provided. And the technology, like, it's, 377, 4, 440, 546, and then it jumps to 1.1 1. 1 million in yep. So there's it jumps all over the place, and I understand the rationale. The equipment happens at different times, and, and so on and so on. Um, so I, I guess at the end of this, I'm going to be asking, um, besides um, the cost for next year, is like we have to do three-year um, operational cost plans uh, and five-year capital plans as a municipality. So I would be interested in over the overall length of this contract to the 27-28 is um, the projected total costs of everything at our 70% ratio, what that is on an annual basis. So like, you know, I spoke of something that was 300 this year and 1.06 three years from now. Um, Take all that, average it out, and say, okay, your annual cost to account for the projected at the present point in time is, you know, is it uh, 3.8 million over the each year for from now on to cover the whole thing? Some years it's a million, some years it's four. And I know those figures are out to lunch, but you get what I'm kind of asking. I do, about? yes. Yeah. Yeah, what I would suggest is uh, if we're able to arrange another meeting, uh, okay. what I would like to do is bring a member from our operational strategy branch simply to speak to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then hopefully be in a much better position to answer council's yeah. questions as far as that goes. Because I know you do some projections here a little bit, but um, I'm thinking, well, if we're signing a five-year agreement, it'll kind of be nice to know in each of those five years kind of what the projected expense kind of would be. Yeah. And if we want to average it over those five years, that's our internal kind of thing that's right you know? yeah and I know uh, it does speak to some pool costs as well uh, such as vehicle maintenance and whatnot that would have an impact on that file number as well yeah yeah okay so I've asked quite a few questions counselors do you have some so this is based on 11.5 um, uh, officers uh, the the other half of the point five, I believe, would be the Northern Sunrise. That's uh, correct. The, the shared officer. person, yes. Who yeah, I have noticed has been out and about a lot. So that's great to see. Uh, yeah, he's very active in the schools uh, and uh, very much on our uh, various boards and whatnot. And quite honestly, instrumental in um, you know providing a lot of the services uh, in terms of public visibility that that we enjoy here in the community, right? 
uh, just with call volume and it simply would not be possible without that position. So we're happy to have it. Very grateful for council support to have it. So. Um, Councillor's question. Just one, one last one. Yeah. Why do you expect the body worn cameras to be totally um, an effect for, for your staff? Yeah, and I know this speaks to it a little bit, but I'm not entirely sure when we're going to see it here uh, because they are still trialing some of the equipment issues and whatnot. And the biggest, I know the biggest nav challenge you're navigating is uh, storage, it's simply all the memory, right? Or like, where do you put all the footage, right? Uh, so it's gotta be a cloud-based environment as our in-car cameras are now, right? When we pull into the parking lot, it automatically gets downloaded from the vehicles and goes into a cloud-based uh, environment. But those are, those are only activated uh, when the emergency lights on a vehicle are activated, right? or if an officer manually activates it, right? Uh, so uh, when you couple that with a, a camera strapped onto every person, right, obviously the data retention issues uh, and storage is gonna, it's gonna be pretty complicated, so I think that's still being worked out. Now I know uh, the federal government had uh, agreed to, uh, you know, assist with some of the costs as far as that goes for the first three years of the rollout. Uh, so I know that will offset some of the, the initial setup costs. There was also something in there. Uh, one of the things was um, they were upgrading something to a new standard, but was it parts or something? So it would be a mishmash. So the longer we wait, as long as it doesn't affect safety, kind of the better sometimes. Um, yeah, and I think you might be speaking about the pistol modernization maybe, right now. Maybe. Yeah, so the challenge is being uh, getting parts for our, our current pistols, uh, which are, are quite dated and were retained in the 90s originally. So uh, we're in a position where it needs to be replaced, uh, and I believe a selection has to be made in terms of the next uh, pistol, right? And it's simply because um, of the challenges in getting replacement parts for those. Okay, so as I see it in this report, uh, the quarterly payments uh, for what we have right now um, are, I might be reading this wrong, $484,360, is that correct? I'm reading on page 15 of 16, the just the paragraph before conclusion. Maybe I got the wrong thing, but. Yeah, that was estimated quarterly invoice yeah. payments for 2022-23. Okay, and we expect variances as uh, the actualities catch up to the reports, I guess. Okay, so um, uh, CAO Parker, um, did we come out of this with a motion at this point? Just a motion to accept and uh, for staff to bring back because there is a fiscal uh, report. We'll have to give you approximately $300,000 uh, from this year. Uh, difference in so. And, and then we'd also talk about the average, the average things like that. Okay. And um, I see there was a request to have uh, this signed by June 15th. Is that kind of a little flexible? Um, it will be. That's that's all there is to it. Has to be. Yeah. In, um, in, what I will in, say. In the past, we haven't signed it a lot of times. So. Um, what I will say is that uh, tomorrow morning as soon as uh, we're back with the business hours, I'll be reaching out to our OSB and uh, then I'll reach out to administration to line up a meeting with councils. Great. Okay. So, um, Mr. Parker, coming out of this, we should have a motion to ask council to bring or admin to bring this back. Is that right? That, that's correct. Okay. So, before that or during that, uh, councilors, any further questions at this point in time? You did a seriously, I'm going to say you did an exceptional job of covering this budget base going. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thank uh, you. And I mean that absolutely in a complimentary manner. It was really good. 
Oh, thank you, Staff Sergeant. Um, okay, so uh, maybe uh, someone would put forth a motion to direct administration to bring back a briefing note on this matter. Councilor Good? Okay, all those in favor? Thank you. Okay, thank you, Staff Sergeant, and. Um, thank you. Thank you, Worship and Council. Thank you. Good we'll evening. Talk again. Okay, any bylaws? Apparently, there are none. There are none, Your Worship. Unfinished business? Nothing, Your Worship. Okay. okay, Council, would you like a short uh, break at this point in time and then? come back okay let's take a 10 minute break so that's at 6 30 we'll be back okay thank you no 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 come on mr scammer right here okay so we're called back to order here and we have a briefing note on development plan of MD of peace and not sure who would be talking us through this uh mr mcquay thank you myself uh, your worship uh your worship and council just a briefing note on uh idp referral from the MD of peace and this is uh, a program that is outlined in as part of our idp process where uh, any development within a certain region of the declared boundary is referred to the, the other municipality for a comment. So the one that's been referred back to us is for uh, a commercial card lock and retail fuel sales outlet. Uh, this is going to go, uh, they propose to put this up on the West Hill industrial development inside the MDAPs. So that's uh, basically where that is proposed to go. Within the area structure plan for the, that area, the land use con concept identifies the future land use of the subject parcel as service commercial and highway commercial. And uh, looking at that in that uh, view, the proposal is consistent uh, with uh, the direction of the intermunicipal development plan and the area structure plan. Uh, so basically, uh, where we kind of draw the referral policy from is under the town's IPP referral policy 7.2, and pursuant to uh, the policy, uh, the town responded on the 23rd of June 2022 that we do not have any concerns, specifically that the town responded that the town has no direct concerns with the proposed development, provided the wetland is not disturbed should the development site be adjusted and the wetland be disturbed, the town encourages the MD to ensure that the water act approval is obtained prior to the development permit being issued. And then based on the review of the area structure plan, uh, the town encourages the MD to consider the, uh, the following attached conditions for the approval. Uh, and the first one being that all development must conform to the restrictions and requirements as identified in the geotechnical uh, investigation uh, prepared by J.R. Payne, uh, that the developer must satisfy the requirements if, if uh, any made by the Alberta safety codes in respect to uh, building electrical, fire, uh, gas, uh, tank storage systems, etc. 
and that the development include any land clearing must be constructed outside of the breeding bird season uh, to avoid any disturbance uh, to nesting birds and comply with migratory bird convention act and recommendations of the pine river development uh, wetland impact assessment dated uh, December 3rd, 2014. Take any questions? So does disturbing the wetland include um, moving soil so that um, one area is perhaps less wet than it was previously? Yes, like if you disturb any section of the wetland, it would be part of that. So I would assume that the MD is aware of that possibility in that corner? Yes. Good. Um, councillors, do you have any questions? So I guess then we would uh, move that. Uh, just accept for information. So we don't have to send a letter formally accepting this? No, okay. we've already sent a letter. Yeah. This is us just informing council that that yeah. process has been pulled. And uh, the section of the IDP allows the planning manager to respond back to the municipality. Okay, so I guess that would be my uh, my point, uh, adding dirt should not uh, be done. And I guess I... So, so that was reflected in the letter that uh, uh, Ms. Modi had put back to the municipality. Okay, thank you. Because I thought before that we, um, this was brought to us and then council made a motion saying they had no concerns or something. But maybe there's different uh, categories of uh, what the subject matter was so yeah. anyway so a letter has been sent yeah. so okay. if you uh, the direction if you look within the briefing note under the IDP referral policy under 7.2 uh, manager planning and development uh, provides the referrals to council at a public uh, council meeting for information and that's the, that's a statement within the IDP document uh, the referral must be provided at a council meeting after the feedback deadline established by the NDP, IDP has expired, the manager of planning and development will indicate to the referring municipality that the town does not have any concerns. Notwithstanding the vote, the manager of planning and development may recommend it to, uh, to the CAO that the proposal be brought to, uh, forward to council for decision if the proposal is deemed to have strategic importance. So that kind of outlines yeah. the conditions that we would bring it back to council for decision. Okay, thank you. Um, Councillor Carr? I'm just curious, Jim, why, why, would, why would we be involved in a development in a local MD? I'm just curious. Uh, with where it's kind of bordering our municipal border, uh, both municipalities uh, entered into an inter-municipal development uh, agreement uh, three years ago, I guess, and this is uh, these IDPs are mandated by the province okay. that we have to enter into, and to any development that is within that kind of border area between the two municipalities, we have we have a, a duty of care to inform each other of those developments, and, and, and even some development that could occur into the town. We let them know, and they also respond, likely. And uh, again, it's it's mandated by the province. So it's within a certain 
Yeah, like a like buffer line. zone on each side of our border. And is that any kind of development, or is that like specific to well, fuel stations or any development? Oh, okay, yeah. thank you. And the buffer zone differs in size, municipality to municipality. We have a different yeah. size with MD compared to Northern Sunrise or Northern Lights. Oh. Yeah. And in some cases, what you'll have is you'll even have agreements where you might have cost sharing agreements or uh, agreements in which you'll share tax revenue. And so sometimes uh, they might charge a little bit more, but we might get a kickback if it's in a certain area and vice versa. We might be getting some funds to uh, the municipality because they, uh, a lot of times what it's encouraging to is what they want you to do is they want you to do proper development. They, they want you to decrease the concept of having another municipality building something right up on yours and then taking some of your uh, uh, revenue. So that's why they're trying to do all of these different types of encouragement of development, but irresponsible. Okay, thank you. Okay, so I guess uh, we would have a motion to accept this for information. Councillor Good, uh, all those in favor? Opposed, it is carried, thank you. Okay, next item is, um, well, um, not sure who is uh, going to talk about patios. Yeah, it's myself again, Your Worship, and uh, sitting in for Ms. Modi uh, tonight. Thank you. Uh, so previously we had a temporary outdoor patio and retail space pilot project, and we've uh, initiated that uh, uh, last two years, and we would uh, like to uh, move forward on that again this year. Uh, so. Uh, one of the things that we are looking at in the near future is part of our land use bylaw update. We will incorporate this on a permanent basis. But until we've got that rewrite done, we want to be able to enable uh, that pilot project again this year. So, and the pilot project is based on examples from the city of Edmonton and Okotoks. And the extension to the pilot project was circulated uh, to the fire department and the local Alberta Transportation Office and Chamber of Commerce for review uh, with no comments uh, received back from them. Uh, and uh, so we're just kind of bringing this back for information at this point. So council doesn't have to pass a motion extending the pilot project or anything like that? It's just info? That's correct, your worship. Okay, any questions? Yes. What would the retail space, what would be an example of that? So uh, typically what you'll see is, uh, like a sidewalk. Like Mr. Yeah, if uh, you have an open sidewalk in front of the business, they could uh, potentially use that. They still need to provide for pedestrian through a fare through that area, but you know, they can encroach into the sidewalk. For example, could Patagon Pizza utilize that space beside them, the empty space between the town office? Like, for example, would that be part of that uh, project? Uh, well, that is private property, so oh, yeah. Uh, I got it. yeah, no, this would just be uh, encroaching on public space. Okay. Well, it's good that Alberta Transportation uh, thinks it's okay to do it. <laughs> And, and this is an example of one of the projects that came out of uh, COVID and our red tape reduction. And uh, so um, when we had to report on our red tape re uh, reduction, this was one of our uh, primary uh, 
project that we want done. Good. Okay, so who wants to move to accept this for information? So moved. Councillor Ford, all those in favor? It is carried. Thank you. Okay, Mr. McQuaid, repeal of various policies. Thank you, Worship and Council. Uh, so we have uh, three uh, policies that we're considering as part of this one. Uh, and just a general statement, uh, most of these are, are fairly outdated. Uh, they were presented as council policies, but as listed as directives. So we're uh, just trying to uh, uh, do some corrections on that as part of our overall policy review. And in this case, uh, reviewing each one of these, uh, they can be just out, uh, out and out repealed. Uh, so first up is emergency water sewer line and service repairs. So the policy concerns contractors used for emergency work and this policy is covered within the emergency purchase section of the recently updated uh, purchasing policy and that is why this policy should be rescinded because it kind of conflicts with what we're saying uh, in our purchasing policy. The bridge inspection policy uh, was adopted in 1987 is considered a directive uh, but basically within that uh, policy slash directive it referred to a letter that was put out by Alberta Transportation which has uh, since changed uh, in the way that Alberta Transportation does uh, their bridge inspection policy. We now have an online bridge inspection system uh, that has replaced uh, that system that was currently listed uh, previously. So that's why uh, that policy we're recommending being repealed. And finally, the sewer distribution system. Uh, the council policy was adopted in 85 and is currently numbered as a directive uh, and deals uh, with some outdated maintenance issues. Uh, just kind of and a lot of those issues have since been resolved. Uh, and probably the last one that was resolved, I think, is around list station number four, which now that we've uh, commissioned our new list station, it's been resolved. So uh, the remainder of those issues have since been uh, resolved over a number of years. So we're just rec recommending that that be stepped up for Cindy. Thank you. Um, any questions? I was just going to move Did option one to rescind the policies listed in the briefing uh, note. Okay, so Deputy Mayor moves the recommendation. So in the minutes, the actual directives and so on would be listed specifically. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, all those in favor of that? It is carried. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. McQuaid. Okay, next one we have um, Mr. Parker, uh, attendance for Councillor Carr at the opening of the Broderack Community Gardens. This is just uh, for, uh, it's a, a housekeeping, uh, Councillor Carr did attend the event already. It's just to give um, official approval for Councillor Carr. Uh, my understanding is not putting in any uh, claim for it, but it's still, we need to further record. Yeah, and I'd just like to say, like, on these sorts of things, I know that a lot of the, um, the crack ones and so on came in a little late, but it's important that they come to council so that council can um, basically give it's okay for the person to attend. And that then means that council is in support of it all. And it's not just an individual councillor speaking on their own behalf or whatever. So you went on behalf of council, so thank you for that. And uh, hopefully it was a good time. <laughs> and 
or things start to grow. It, it was nice. Yeah, they're, they're doing a great job. Good, good. So that that's why it's important that they that they come and be formally um, acknowledged. Uh, it also gives sometimes Megan a chance to heads up, go and take a picture at times, and that's always kind of helpful for the media. Okay, so uh, that was my spiel. But would someone care to make a motion to enable Councillor Carr to attend the opening of the Rotaract Community Gardens, which was on June 15th? Thank you, Councillor Shannon. All those in favor? Thank you. Okay, Mr. Parker. Um, this is the June 21 um, Indigenous Peoples Day and the events at the park starting at 1130. That is correct and that is to enable members of council to attend the commemorating of this historic signing of the Sacrification of Treaty 8 happening on June 21st, 2022 at 1130 at the Treaty 8 Monument. And if you could, and if you could maybe just kind of add to that and um, Indigenous, uh, National Indigenous Peoples Day sorry. event. Yeah, that would Definitely be helpful. National Indigenous, sorry about that. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, would someone care to move that? Uh oh, <laughs> I, I can't move it. Um, Councillor Carr, yeah. thank you. All those in favor? Carr. Councillor Carr. Yeah. Uh, it is care, uh, all those opposed? <laughs> I thought I should ask. It was all carried? Okay, good, unanimously. Okay, then we had um, uh, Ms. Parker for the Woodland Cree First Nation Treaty Days. Th that is correct. This is for uh, councillors um, uh, to go up to four hours uh, to the uh, uh, any of the days, but up to four hours uh, for treaty days. And I know we had a couple of councillors who did attend that. Um, so this is to give um, permission for that one. Thank you. And I'll note that uh, Councillor Good, Deputy Mayor Scammerhorn, and myself did attend on Friday and uh, found it very interesting and uh, very welcoming. Uh, Chief Isaac uh, directed us around a little bit and um, lots of displays and stuff. And it just depends on the time of the day you go as to what's happening and that sort of thing. Would either of you like to comment before we go to a motion? Uh, yeah, the bull did get hauled away. So. We'll just have to sort this out next year. <laughs> well, and, and also, I'd like to say that one, it was a terrific time, and two, or, two out of three of us rode the bull. But um, guess what? I, I one didn't. thing that I think we really have to talk about, I'd like to make sure is not missed, is that there were some really tremendously creative ideas that we saw out there of community promotion and community development and some things I think that um, it was really impressive. It was an, not only an impressive event, but some of the ideas and the things that we were talking about on the way back on community promotion and the ideas that came up from that I think are gonna not only serve their community but serve our own community very well. So I just wanna bring it up, it was a really incredible time. I'd recommend anybody who ever has a chance to go out to Treaty Days. Um, it's, it, it brings back an experience I had years ago, the first time I was going to go to Carnival. And somebody said to me, well, don't go, you're not gonna have any fun at Carnival because nobody's gonna talk to you if you don't speak French. And I went up there and the first thing somebody said was, hey, Don, how are you doing? So I thought, well, maybe that's not quite true. And the other thing was the, the same 
feeling going out to treaty days was the welcome from the first people we met as you walk into the grounds was big smiles on people's faces and they did not know who we were from Adam walking in the door. Big smiles on people's faces, welcoming smiles from people. It was one of the most joyful, pleasant, fun days that I can remember having in this area in the last 10 years. And it's uh, kudos to the community for holding such an amazing event. Oh, we got t-shirts and hats and oh. swag bags and dry meat soup and wow. yeah, they, they uh, really rolled out the welcome wagon. So it was yeah, fantastic. And they have a very interesting after school um, program that's kind of land based uh, that they were displaying, showing us stuff about and little kindergarten groups that are happening as well. So it's great to see. Yeah. Okay, would someone care to move uh, Deputy Mayor, you're moving the recommendation. Okay, to enable councils, members of council to attend for up to four hours, the Treaty Days event happening at Woodland Cree from June 22nd through 28th. Yeah, and I think we have a couple other members you guys are gonna make it out to more stuff. So yeah, we're gonna be very well represented by the end of it. Good, okay, all those in favor of that motion? Opposed, it is carried. Thank you. Thank you, Worship. I'm wondering if we can go to eight, nine, and 10 and finish those off. They're quick enabling motions then. Sure. We can come back to number seven. Yes. Okay, so eight is request for decision at uh, tenants at Northern Sunrise County meeting, July 12th. And who's speaking to this one? I'll speak a little bit to this one, then uh, the director McCoy can add into it. Um, this is um, what's happening is uh, we're doing a presentation uh, to Northern Sunrise Council. And um, generally what happens when you do uh, this presentation and staff is coming there. You usually should have some counselors there because it should be a counseling council kind of like a discussion. Um, and basically, it's uh, we've had our engineer consultant. They come on in and they've uh, they're providing some uh, uh, Pat's Creek mitigation issues. And um, so um, we just basically would like to uh, have uh, council members come on out uh, and also support this uh, presentation. So will will the consultants be? kind of in charge of the presentation. They're presenting. Yes, your worship. And, uh, then will. and I'll be in there. attendance as well with the consultant. And basically this is just kind of, they'll be receiving the same presentation that you received a number of weeks ago yeah. on the Pat's Creek project. So this was, uh, and then uh, council kind of enabled us to uh, take this same presentation up to help. So this is uh, that presentation, but we just want to enable council to attend as well. And uh, third council would just like to know in advance who's coming up the hill. Okay. And I believe, um, OG, what was the date that we had to? That was the 11th. 11th. Yeah. 11th, we had to let them know who was coming. Okay. So, um, and it's a presentation council here. We haven't really decided on anything other than we kind of think we like one thing, but we haven't formally figured that out, right? That's correct. Okay. Um, I would be prepared to go on July 12th. Is, uh, their council meetings um, start usually at 9 o'clock or 9.30 in the morning, so that would be the time frame. Where, I don't know when during that time, but you I would? I would attend as well. Okay. Um, is there a mic on somewhere other than yours? Um, it seems like even when the presenters were doing their thing, there is a funny echo happening sometimes. 
Um, okay, so we've got Councillor Shannon, Councillor Carr, uh, myself, Deputy Mayor, and possibly, possibly, Mike possibly. Okay, uh, Councillor Good, possibly. They won't have enough chairs for us. I don't know what we're going to do. Okay, but um, so somebody would um, maybe now put forth a motion that enables members of council to attend the Northern Sunrise Council at their building on July 12th. Councillor Carwell, okay, thank you. All those in favor? It is carried. So admin will let us know when the actual time frame is. Okay, okay, then we have um, the next item is request for decision on attendance at the blanket exercise, which is this Wednesday, June 29th. Um, okay, Mr. Parker. Uh, yes, it's just a um, uh, enabling council to attend a blanket exercise on June 29th from uh, 6 to 8 p.m. in Peace River at the Peace River Municipal Library. Um, I would uh, suggest that any councillors who have not had a chance to ever do this, please attend it. It is, it is incredible. It is a, a very powerful, moving experience. It was one of the, uh, it, it, it was one of the most powerful experiences I've had um, since I've been here. So I do encourage uh, councillors to, if you've not had an opportunity to uh, attend this. And I will say that this is organized by the Education Subcommittee of PROC, and um, they have uh, made uh, great efforts to uh, localize the the story of residential schools and the history. So there are some um, uh, parts of it that are very local is all I guess I can say. Would someone care to put forth the motion? Councillor Goodwill. Okay, so Councillor Good uh, moves the recommendation. All those in favor? Opposed? It is carried. Thank you. And now we have a request for decision, attendance at Community Futures Annual General Meeting which might be over with by now, but it's at 5 p.m. today. So this was um, basically, well, the recommendation is to enable a council member to go, which maybe we'll just take this for information instead. Somebody move for information. Thank you, Councillor Carr. Um, all those in favor? Yeah. Great, okay. Maybe next year. Well, basically what happens, this one kind of sort of came across my attention and I thought, wow, well, Community Futures, we've done some good stuff with them before. We should try to make a showing. And then, of course, I checked my calendar after sending the mayor an email thinking it was a good idea. And it's a Monday. So there you have it. Next, next year. Okay. Um, Mr. Parker, are you okay for number seven now, or would you prefer that we go to information and come back? No, no, we can go to number seven. That's okay. fine. I just was trying to yeah. get rid of the ones that we can get through real quickly. Um, so um, th this one here is uh, uh, the revoking of the current my uh, appointment uh, as the CAO and to um, appoint an interim CAO. As uh, council is aware, um, I have tendered my resignation, and my last day will be July 5th. Uh, 2022 as opposed to the November 30th date that was previously announced um, during that time uh, you know I, I uh, through debate up there's a couple of files that I have to get closed so that's why I wanted to stay on till the, the 5th and gave that date um, and basically uh, seven years ago was I was hired it was actually only seven years ago that I was offered the job and uh, I started in October so it's pretty close 
Um, I will honestly tell you today, it was very moving, uh, Madam uh, Mayor, uh, when you're talking about the accomplishments of uh, uh, the, the councillors, because uh, they can't do that without administration. And we really, we did some great projects out there, and I, we just loved it. And uh, I, I, I can honestly say we can walk away very proud um, with all those projects that uh, we, we did together. Um, I would also like to say that, uh, that leaving is bittersweet, um, but it's really important to have change. And one of the things that I take, and I take my master's certificate in municipal leadership, and a lot of people, what they don't understand about that program is, is, is you should actually adjust every five to seven years your duties. Well, the problem with the CAO is there's no duties to adjust because everyone reports to you. So why do you do it every five to seven years? And the simple reason is, is everything that you can learn about that organization, you have learned. Everything that you can teach to the organization, you have taught. And then you start to coast. And what happens when you coast, then you don't grow. So we have actually, I have taken over an organization that was struggling. We had a morale issue. We had a personnel issue. If you take a look at how many CAOs were previous to me in the seven years, there was 10. 10 either interim, active, or um, uh, acting, or permanent CAOs. And that was in the seven years previous to me. So I have to say I'm very proud to bring stable leadership to the organization, but it's time to go. And even though, like I said, it is bittersweet, a bit bittersweet, um, I'm gonna miss every one of you. Um, your firm that you have hired to select a new CAO is an excellent firm. They will get the person that this organization needs to go to the next step. So I, I commend you on that. And uh, I'm looking forward to a little bit of golf for the next little while. And then we'll see what happens after that. So with that, uh, we do need two motions uh, to meet the uh, MGA. Uh, the first motion is, is you'll need to revoke my appointment as the uh, CAO and it would be uh, the recommended at 11.59 p.m. on the fifth day of July 2020. And then uh, Tanya Bell is uh, appointed the Chief Administrative Officer at uh, 12 o'clock uh, a.m. on July 6th, or um, sorry, the sixth day of July. So with that, um, if there's any questions or comments, I'd be more than happy to respond. Well, before we get to the motions, uh, Chris, I'd just like to thank you on behalf of uh, the town, the council, and the staff for your uh, administration leadership over the last seven years. Um, as you indicated, most of the accomplishments that I was mentioning for the three councillors, uh, you were there for a major part of that, so thank you for all of that as well. Um, internal processes have definitely been reviewed over time and updated and changed as they needed to be. Um, that includes um, guiding town staff uh, and council through, uh, well, COVID, MGA changed during that time, uh, the Election Act changed during that time, so that was a major thing. Um, and what else? Well, all sorts of staff changes and just trans transitioning through different processes, and that was uh, most appreciated, and thank you for that. Thank you very much. So, um, if we don't mention the handing off the airport, I feel like we'd be really, uh, the airport, really missing out on a, okay. on a, on a, on a key moment. <laughs> well, the airport was a major file, and uh, 
basically thank goodness it's not hanging on to us because um, it took a lot of resources from the town and uh, staff and the council did recognize that that was what was happening and that those resources were better uh, implemented in other ways and financially as well that was major so thank you yeah. okay so now uh, we have a motion first motion would be uh, well off your list if somebody cares to make this motion. Uh, Councillor Good. Um, the motion. Jeff Christopher Parker's appointment as Chief Administrative Officer of the Town of Peace River B and is hereby revoked effective 11.59 o'clock p.m. on the fifth day of July 2022. Thank you. Any comments from that? All those in favor? Opposed? It is carried. Okay, we have a second recommended motion, or we get out of the town business if we don't have this in place. Anybody care to make the second motion? Councillor Goychuk. I'll move that Tanya Bell is hereby appointed interim chief administrative officer for the town of Peace River, effective 12 o'clock a.m. on the 6th day of July. to FCM before July 11th. 
thoughts on what you would like to do. Councilor Good. Yeah, I think um, the motion was extremely well worded. I think the part that I found probably more most important in it was that supporting a policy that all oil and gas imported and consumed in Canada meet the same stringent environmental governance and social standards that the Canadian oil and gas producers must adhere. And I think that's important when you consider, I mean, I don't have any problem with having an open discussion on transitioning from oil. I don't have any problem having a discussion of what the future looks like. But I do have a, uh, I do have a problem with buying products from countries that don't, how would I put this, and I don't care where they are in the world, don't treat their citizens with the same respect that we are expected to treat ours, that don't handle their environmental responsibilities to the same level that we are expected to do ourselves. And I don't think it's two-faced at all to, su to support that. So I'm very, very happy with the inclusion of those lines in this. It doesn't just say use our oil. It says that if there's another country out there that is meeting our standards, if there's another country out there that is treating its citizens properly, then there is no problem. And we have no problem with our country dealing with those people. I like that. As far as we can, I think we should have open borders to a large extent in terms of trade, but not when other people do not have to adhere to the same standards that we do. Thank you. Um, any further comments? Someone would care to bring forth a motion to, um, well, uh, move the same re resolution, I guess, and then. Um, send it onwards as asked to FCM. Um, what if I were to word it that uh, I move that council supports the, the resolution and does that give an information enough, uh, administration enough information to act on that or how, how would you like that specifically? I, 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 I would personally think we need some direction. Okay. So in this case they're asking us to actually talk to FCM and say, hey, we want you to champion this kind of cause. So it's to, to uh, um, um, ch um, champion or, or, or write a letter to FCM saying that we passed the following resolution. And then, then I think that resolution, but send it also so to FCM. So uh, yeah, I'll move that uh, administration uh, draft letter of support for the resolution and send it on to FCM. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so Deputy Mayor Scamhorn moves to draft a letter of... To accept support for the uh, resolution. And to send a letter off to FCM. The copy of them. They use the phrase endorse in the letter there that I missed. Yeah. Is that... Uh, so we endorse this letter and are submitting the attached resolution to Correct. FCM. As a point of clarification, Madam Mayor, are they asking us also to make, the, to, how to put it, duplicate this motion ourselves? 
Okay, that's what I kind of understood. It's not only are we endorsing it, they want us to pass the same motion or a similar motion. So after Mr. Scamhorn, after we have Mr. Scamhorn's motion, I would be pleased to make the motion that we put the same motion forward. Remove this resolution. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we've got Mr. Scamhorn's motion on the floor, which is to um, um, draft a letter. Support. Draft a letter to FCF. Okay. Draft a letter of support to FCF. Okay. All those in favor of that? It's carried. Okay, now Mr. Good. Um, I'd like to make a motion that the Town of Peace River recommended the Federation of Canadian Municipalities call on the Government of Canada to promote and encourage the consumption of Canadian oil and gas products over the use of energy products imported from other countries and that the Town of White the Town of Peace River recommended that the Federation of Canadian Municipalities call on the Government of Canada to support a policy that all oil and gas imported and consumed in Canada meet the same stringent environmental governance and social standards that Canadian oil and gas producers must adhere and that the Town of Peace River urged the Federation of Canadian Municipalities to recognize and promote the economic opportunities that the consumption of Canadian energy products will have on the Canadian economy and the resulting benefits to Canadian municipalities require through increases in collected royalties and taxes Okay. Okay, so it's on page 86, those three paragraphs. I'm sorry? She's just wondering when she goes to do the documentation, she's just stating where to find what you said. Okay. Yeah, okay. You, your counselor you. good is moving that the town of Peace River um, promote and encourage the consumption of Canadian oil and then carry on. That's correct. Okay, yeah. And also, um, possibly, potentially, I wouldn't mind even adding a letter of thanks to the town of Whitecourt for the original resolution. Okay. So, are we as a town also going to consider passing this resolution? That's my motion. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So, um, that's why I put the town of Peace River recommend. So, what I'm a little confused about, we've got the this resolution title, uh, it's after, well, I don't know, it's my page 81, so it's hard to say. Um, anyways, there's a resolution that takes um, two or three pages. Well, we don't need all the whereases and everything if we're moving in motion. Okay, so um, we've got Councillor Good's motion basically indicating we want Canadian oil and only use the Canadian standards of oil from wherever, I think. Okay, all those in favor? It is carried. Thank you. Do we have another motion? Well, let's move to right letter thank you to the Town of White Corp for drafting the original motion. To write a letter to the town of Whitecourt, thanking them for drafting the original motion. If you're going to use somebody else's right wording, I think it really behooves us to uh, acknowledge the originator. And who moved? Which councillor moved? Councillor Good. Good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. 
vote on the third. Let's vote on this motion, which is thanking the town of Whiteport. All those in favor? Thank you. Anything further? Good. Okay, thank you. Now, um, the PRAC minutes are next, but I noticed that I think I messed up and sent the wrong minutes in because this is from a year ago. So, you could accept that for information. I did my Carson was there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I did. But um, anyway, so I'll try again in two weeks. Uh, I don't know what we do with this. Leave it? Leave it. Ignore it? Good. Okay. Move to strike your own. <laughs> We okay. don't we don't promote violence in chambers. <laughs> we could we could make the motion to remove this item from the agenda, and that would solve that issue. Or accept it for information. It's well, accepting it may have been accepted already at a previous meeting. Yeah. So if we just move to strike this item from the agenda, it disappears. So I think we have to, or else it's okay. part of the agenda. Would you move that? Yes, I'll move that. Okay, Mr. Good moves to strike item whatever it was at 10, 10 information three from the uh, agenda. All those in favor? It is carried. Thank you, Mr. Good. Okay, do we have any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Comments from the public? No. <laughs> um, key communication items, Ms. Um, so key communication items to me would be the presentation of the certificate of appreciation to both uh, councillors Needham and uh, councillor uh, Tarby for oh in Downing sorry who wasn't physically able to be here but she will receive it in the mail along with the picture that the other two councillors received uh, as well the presentation from Sergeant Brown I think is noteworthy uh, as well as the two briefing notes, uh, the outdoor patio pilot project and the repeal of obsolete policies. I also wanna highlight the, uh, the events that were attended from multiple council members in the past and also upcoming ones, uh, in specific the blanket exercise, putting maybe a poster on our council uh, highlights on our website and uh, any pictures that you may have that anyone attended, feel free to forward my way, and then I will also include that. Um, we, I did get some good pictures from uh, National Indigenous Day, so it was actually a very lovely ceremony that was great to be a part of. So um, any other notes that council may have, I am happy to accept. Thank you. Just one for the record, it's previous councillors and former mayor? Yes, sorry, previous councillors, yes, and, and former, former mayor. mayor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, anything further? Okay, well, thank you, Megan. Thank you. Okay, so next on the um, agenda, would someone move us to closed session? Take a quick couple of minutes. Um, well, it's just visibly deflated. So yeah. it looks like a no. The body language. Just, I'll just sneak. I'll just sneak out. Okay. Uh, would someone move okay. us to closed? So moved. Okay. Ford is moving us to closed. All those in favor? 
so um, yes, this is, yeah, we're, we're in camera sort of thing. Right. Thank you.